Alrighty, I need I need some help from you guys. If I could get the house lights up, I need five adults. All right. So if you are willing, uh, I promise you, these five I'm going to pick won't have to dance, won't have to say anything. All right. But I need five adults, if you would, to come down front, and if you would come down and come up this way. Okay. Not everybody volunteer at once. Thank you. All right. Great. As they're coming down, I need one other person to come down, and uh, I am going to have to ask you a question. Thank you. Awesome. One, two, three, four, five, and I need one more. One, two, three, four, five, one more. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask all of you guys to, let's bring it over here. I'm going to ask you all to make a circle facing inward. All right. Very good. Yep. And you're going to need to hold hands. All right. You're going to stay. I'm going to pull you back just a little bit. All right. And you need to get as tight in as you can. All right. Yeah, that's right. Make sure all shoulders are touching. Hopefully all of y'all brushed your teeth this morning. It's good times. All right. Uh, What's your name? Vanessa. Vanessa. How you doing, Vanessa? And uh, we are going to, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. All right. I'm going to give you about 30 seconds, and your goal, your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to get inside that circle, all right? Now, you can go underneath, you can go over the top, you can go through, um, you can pinch, you can bite, actually, probably shouldn't bite, Um, but I'm going to give you about 30 seconds to do that, okay? You ready? And you mark, get set, go. Oh my, there's one in every crowd, isn't there? No, the 30 seconds not over. Come on, maybe go down below or, come on, y'all, y'all give Vanessa some encouragement here. Uh, all right, you got about five more seconds. <laughs> all right, break. All right, let's give all of them a round of applause if we could. You five, you can take a seat. And Vanessa, let's chat. All right. All right. Here you go, Vanessa. Uh, let me ask you a question, Vanessa. Um, how did it feel trying to get in there and trying to get a part of them? felt very awkward. All right. Why did it feel awkward? Um, well, because I knew they weren't going to try to let me in, so... Okay, all right. Now, that's, Vanessa actually make a, makes a great point. She says, they knew that they weren't going to let me in. But here's, I want to just ask a question. Did I tell those five people to keep them out? I didn't, did I? They just naturally, when you get in a tight-knit group, you kind of sometimes keep people out, all right? Um, was it kind of tiring after a while? Yes, that's right. why I asked. I was like, is this over yet? <laughs> is it over yet? That's right. And, I mean, what did it feel like being an outsider? It just felt really awkward. All right. Cool. All right, let's give it up for Vanessa. Thank you so much. Thank you. You know, um, just the way Vanessa felt in just those brief 30 seconds, you know, being an outsider, feeling awkward, trying to get in, 
Um, so many people feel that same way every Sunday morning. Every Sunday morning across the world, but especially here in Clarksville. Because the thing about it is 115,663 people in Clarksville this morning will choose not to go to church anywhere. Now, here's the reason why many times people don't go to church. Because they've been to church. Um, They've been to church and they've tried getting in and they've tried becoming a part of this close-knit group. And they just weren't able to get in. They didn't either dress the part. um, They didn't know the words to say. um, They didn't act the part. Um, Whatever reason, they just feel like an outsider. And, you know, the amazing thing about it, you know, I love God and I love the church. And I know many times churches, we don't intentionally try to keep people out. We just don't. I mean, but after a while, you build relationships and you become so close to a group of people that when somebody new comes in, it's just hard to be able to break in. It's hard to be able to make room for new people. And we start thinking, in fact, we, if, if we ask those 115,663 people this morning, by the way, that's 86% of people in Clarksville, Montgomery County, Fort Campbell. 86% of people this morning will choose not to go to church. And if we ask them, hey, how can, why don't you go to church this morning? They would, you know, kind of laugh or scoff or some would kind of make fun. But most, I think, would give this answer. Well, go to church. I'm not a church person. Because most of them, when they think of church, they think of church is for church people. In fact, if you ask some people, hey, you know, I'm not, I'm not into religion because I'm not a religious person, right? I'm not a Christ follower because that is for Christians. And we start getting this mindset that church and religion, even though I don't like that word, and especially Jesus Christ, is for one group of people, and it's really not for another group of people. And the thing that breaks my heart, and I think the thing that breaks your heart, in fact, it's the reason why we started a church two, two and a half years ago, is we started one church not because Clarksville needed another church. We started one church because what Clarksville needed was a a church for people who don't like church or have been booted out of church to be able to come and so that they can connect to their Heavenly Father. Now, that same mindset that we have today, and especially the people who aren't here, that same mindset, you know, whether church is for church people or religion is for religious people or, you know, Christ is for Christians, that 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 God is just for one group and not for another, is the exact same mindset that happened before Jesus came. It was the exact same mindset that the Jews, the Israelites, God's chosen people had 2,000 years ago. Because in their minds, in order 
to worship the God of the Jews, you must first become Jewish. And that's where we're going to dive down deep into this morning. You know, um, we talked about, a little bit about this last week, but um, God chose a fellow by the name of Abraham. Y'all remember Abraham? Abraham was really old. His wife was really old. Abraham was 100. Sarah was 90. And God chose Abraham. And he says this, Abraham, I am going to make you into a prosperous nation. I am going to take you and your descendants and your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren and just go on down the line, generation after generation after generation. It's going to start with you, but generations later, what you're going to realize is I'm going to multiply your descendants and they're going to be as numerous as the stars in the sky or the sands on the seashore. So I'm going to make them many and I'm going to give them a land. A land that I am promising them. That's what we talked about last week. Y'all remember that? Let's, if you would, if you have your Bibles, turn to the very first book of the Bible. It's called Genesis. And that word literally means beginnings. And we're going to go back to the beginning of how this weird mindset started that God was only for a group of people. And we're going to see how God himself is going to combat that. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, this is what it says. God is speaking to Abraham. And by the way, his name here is still shortened for Abram. God changes his name a little bit later. But this is what he says. The Lord has said to Abram, leave your native country and go to the land that I will show you. So he's going to show him a land that he's going to promise them that eventually his descendants will own. This is what it says. I will make you into a, what is that next word? Great nation. I will make you into a great nation. And I will bless you and make you, what's that next word? Famous. And now I want us to all say these next few words together. Look at this. And you will be a what? Blessing to others. You will be a blessing to others. And just in case Abraham, Abram missed the point, he reiterates it and he says, all the families on earth will be blessed through you. Now, we looked at last week, the one problem, the big pushback here of Abraham and Sarah being made into a great nation is they didn't have any children. And they were too old, right? But God was able to come through and fulfill his promise because that's what God does. That's what God does. But here's what, why did God bless Abraham? I mean, if we just looked at these verses, why did God bless Abraham? Because Abraham was better than everybody else, right? Because Abraham uh, looked a certain part or acted a certain way or was from a specific family. He says, I'm going to bless Abraham so that you could what? Go back to that last verse. I'm going to, and so that you will be a what? A blessing to others. You see, the reason why God chose Abraham, the reason why God chose Abraham's descendants, we call them the Israelites or the Jewish nation, Not was because they were better than everybody else. And not because they had it all together. But God chose them 
so that they would be a blessing to others. In fact, I wasn't going to go to this verse, but I'm going to go there. This is in Deuteronomy chapter 7. I want to read this to you. And it, it just gives us a great a great realization of why uh, God chose the Israelite people. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 6 says this. Uh, For you are a holy people who belong to the Lord your God. All of the people of the earth, the Lord your God has chosen you to be his own special treasure. Now we can say, okay, God chose you because you were better than everybody, right? You're God's special treasure because you got it all together, right? Well, look what it keeps on saying. Verse 7, the Lord did not set his heart on you and choose you because you were more numerous than the other nations. How did the Jewish nation start? How many people? One, two, right? Abraham and Sarah. So you were the smallest of all the nations. Rather, it was simply that the Lord rescued, that the the Lord loves you and he was keeping his oath. He had sworn to your ancestors. Now, who is the ancestors he's talking about here? Abraham, that's exactly right. You see, God chose the Jewish people not because they were the greatest or the strongest or they had everything together. He chose them because they were the weakest. In fact, this next verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 says it like this. God says, my power works best in weakness. You see, the reason why God many times chooses who he chooses is because he says, okay, who is the most jacked up Who are the most messed up people that I could choose? (laughs) Okay, if if they are the messed up, most jacked up people that don't have anything together, and if I choose them, and if I do something great, then they don't get the glory for it. They can't take credit for it. Only God can. Now, some of you right now, some of your big pushback, and it feels kind of weird kind of being back in church or something, and you're thinking, well, everybody's looking at me, and maybe I don't look the part, or maybe I don't act the part, maybe I don't say the right things. Maybe You need to know that we don't look the part, we don't act the part, and we don't say the right things either. In fact, if the truth be told, you know, as we were worshiping, I was praying back there just silently. I said, God, you know, I don't know why you have chosen me and you've chosen us. But, Lord, I pray that your, your name, that your strength would shine through us. And that can only happen when we are broken, when we are weak. Because he shines, we don't. And that's the whole push that God is doing here. Now, here's the thing, and this is what's so amazing. God chose the Israelites. And he says, I'm going to choose you. I'm going to bless you so that you will bless other people. So what happens over the next thousand years is God always follows through with his promise because he is God. You can trust him. This is amazing. He follows through with his promise and he keeps on blessing the nation of Israel. He makes their descendants great. In fact, Abraham has a, and, and Sarah have a son. He's named Isaac, who has a son who's named Jacob. And Jacob has 12 sons. And again, we talked about this last week. And those 12 sons go into Egypt and their descendants after 400 years grows to millions, to millions. And then the Pharaoh of Egypt, he gets, he gets a little nervous because there's all these foreigners, millions of foreigners in his land. So he puts them all in bondage. And then God raises up Moses who goes into Pharaoh and through a series of events, of miraculous events that Moses couldn't take credit for. 
only God could take credit for. Because Moses, he was like, hey, time out, God. I'm not the right person for this job. I have a problem speaking. And God says, who made your mouth? Are you weak? Moses says, yes. He says, good. Then my strength, my power is going to come through loud and clear. So he raises up Moses and Moses goes into Egypt and through 10 miraculous signs that God sends, he, he, he is able to bring the nation, the Jewish nation out from Egypt and takes them through Joshua to a land that God gives them. And over the next thousand years, they're spending just time in that land. And they're, again, God keeps on blessing them because God is a, is a God of his word. But the amazing thing about it is, and the one problem that one of the, the Jewish people had was they very rarely ever were blessing the other people. They heard, hey, God chose you and that you are God's special treasure. They took that, that you know what? God loves us more than everybody else. That God, God's eye is, and God's favor is more on us, and he doesn't care about the rest of the world. And they miss the entire point that the reason why God blessed Abraham was so that he would become a blessing to others. In fact, four different times just in the book of Isaiah alone, he says, you are going to be a nation You are going to be a people that are going to attract all the other nations to you if you're set apart because you are holy and I am holy. And the the big thing that the Israelites were struggling with is they kept on thinking, okay, if God chose us, then he didn't choose them. And if God loves us, then he doesn't love them. And that is the farthest from the truth. God loves everyone. And it was God's plan to draw everyone to himself and his plan was using the nation of Israel and the the person, the seed, the descendants of Abraham. But the Israel, the Israel, Israelite people, the Jewish nation, their mindset to outsiders, to people who weren't Jewish, we call them Gentiles, probably be like most of us in here, their entire mindset was that we were dogs, that people on the outside were just lowlifes. And they forgot that before God chose them, all of us were in the same boat. Now again, none of that happens today, does it? It doesn't happen that way at all. Because in most churches, we all realize, hey, we, we remember where we came from, that none of us are born Christian. And we have a great, you know, we can remember, yeah, we remember how it was. And we don't think that we're better than anybody else. We don't think that, you know, we don't have this mindset that it's us against them, do we? Right? And the thing that people struggle with today is the very thing that people struggle with before Christ came. This mindset that God was only for a certain group of people. And for the other group, doesn't really matter. You, I'm sorry, you can't connect. You can't get to him. And I think God up in heaven during the years before Jesus came to the earth as a baby is just scratching his head and going, this is not 
My goal was to bless you so that you would be a blessing to others, so that you would be a light to the other nations. And you aren't living up to your promise. So you know what God does? Even though we don't live up to our promise, God always lives up to his promise. He says, okay, if you're not going to be a light unto the Gentiles, if you are not going to be a blessing to others, then what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring someone into the world from your line and the descendant of Abraham, and he will be the light unto the nations. He will be the light of the world. And he will draw all people to himself. Luke. Let's go back to Luke. Luke chapter 2. And this is where we're going to end today. We all know this story. I mean, if you watch Charlie Brown Christmas, you know Linus recites what we're going to be looking at today. This is what he says. I'm going to just start in verse 1. It says this. At that time... The Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinus was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea because that was David's hometown. David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, his fiancee, who was now obviously pregnant. And, and while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. Now notice, it's her first child. It's not her only child. We just got finished studying the book of James, who was the half-brother of Jesus. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger for there was no lodging available to them. In fact, some of your translations, and if you remember some of the older uh, versions of the Bible, it's swaddling clothes, right? Um, again, a great backstory there we don't have enough time to go to. Then he says, verse 8. Verse 8. So Jesus has come into the world. Isaiah 7, 6 says, Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The child, Jesus, is born here, but the son has been given to us because he has always existed. Verse 8, I love this. Jesus has now been born, and it says, that night. What night are we talking about? The night when Jesus was born. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Now, we're going to stop right there. Let's talk a little bit about these shepherds because these shepherds were, they weren't very uh, clean cut. They didn't smell too good. Um, in fact, if any of you grew up on farms and you know you went choring, um, you know when you come back to the house, you have some things on the bottom of your boots that if you don't take your boots off before you come in the house, your wife will beat you. Am I right? Because anytime you're around wild animals or just, you know, cattle or sheep or goats or pigs, get that mindset. <laughs> that mindset was, I mean, they were stanky. All right? 
It was these people who were out in the fields, and they they would spend you know months, weeks, months alone in the fields by themselves, watching their livelihood, the sheep. Verse eight. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. I bring good news that will bring great joy. Now, I want to just, we're going to back up with that. You know, when Jesus came to this earth and the angels showed up, let me tell you who they didn't go to. They didn't go to the king. His name was Herod at the time. They didn't go to the political people. The angels didn't show up and go even to the people in the synagogues or the local churches of the day. When the angels showed up to say, hey, listen, he is born. The descendant of Abraham, who is going to be the light into the Gentiles and to all the world is born. They, the angels didn't show up and went, they didn't go to the religious people. They didn't go to the Pharisees. They didn't go to the people who were working in the temple that night. They didn't go to the people who... In in the Jewish mindset were the the perfect ones. They went to lowly, stinky, working shepherds. And in the Jewish mindset, the Jews had this mindset and they so valued cleanliness. Because, in fact, we even get the idea that cleanliness is next to what? They're, They're thinking, okay, we will be godly and we will base our godliness on how clean we are. So they had this thing with, they wanted to be clean. And yet when God shows up, when the angels show up declaring, God has come. He doesn't go to any of those clean people. He doesn't go to the people who have it all together. He doesn't go to the religious people. He doesn't go to the political figures. He doesn't go to the movers and the shakers of that political day. He goes to shepherds. That's amazing to me because it's those people that God says, you know what? I love everybody, but I'm going to go to them first. I'm going to, I'm going to give them the opportunity to hear about the good news first. And I think, again, because they're the, they don't have it together and they're the weakest and all of this stuff. And God says, you know what? My power, my glory shines through the greatest the greatest with those who are the weakest. In fact, our big idea, I love this, and we're going to get this out of verse 10. It says, God invites everyone to have a relationship with him. Let's all say that together. God invites, God invites everyone. Let's look at this. Verse 9, suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. You know, it's pitch black. It's night. And all of a sudden, without warning, an angel, a person, is standing, it says, in front of them. And not only is this angel standing in front of them, what's surrounding them? What does it say? The glory of the Lord. I mean, this bright, we assume that's bright light. I mean, it's like if you've ever been in a dark room and somebody throws on the switch. What do you do? Ugh, turn it off, right? That's what these shepherds, and they were terrified. We looked at that same response that Zechariah had last Sunday. When the angel showed up in the temple, Zechariah was terrified. He was deathly afraid. But look what the angel says. 
Verse 10, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Do you know the, the greatest and the most, uh, the most repeated command in the scripture is don't be afraid? We talked a little bit about this last week, but the reason why they had to say don't be afraid is because they were afraid. It's kind of a no-brainer. And if there's any time in the history of just our 401ks and our future and stuff, you know, many of you, many of us, we can easily become afraid. We can become terrified. But God reassures us. And listen to how he reassures them. Verse 10, I bring you, I bring you fairly, it's all right news. I bring you, you know, I bring you CNN. You know, I, what does he say? I bring you good news. I bring you good news. And then I'm going to keep on reading. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to the Jewish people. Is that what it says? I will bring you great news that will bring great joy to church people. I will bring you good news that will bring great joy to people who have their stuff all together, whose their stuff doesn't stink, who, I mean, they talk the walk, they walk the talk, they have the lingo, they dress the part. They're just, they're good people. No, I will bring you good news that will bring great joy to, and what's that next word? A-L-L. All. You see, God's message is for everyone, that everyone is invited, that no one is to be left out, that no one is to be made to feel like an outsider trying to get in. Because when Jesus came, he says, you know what? I come so that all can have a relationship with me, everyone. You don't, you don't have to be a certain race, be a certain color. You don't have to speak a certain language. You don't have to have a, a certain IQ. You don't need to earn a certain way of living or to do this job or not do this job. I come so that everyone can have eternal life. Good news, great joy to all people. Verse 11, the Savior. That's what we need. The Savior. Yes, the Messiah, the Lord. He's been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find the baby wrapped in snuggly strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Oh, okay. They're nodding their heads. And then verse 11, suddenly, excuse me, verse 13. The angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest of heaven and peace on earth to whom with God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Hey, Joe. Yeah, Frank. Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see the thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. Verse 16. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger, which is a feeding trough. So God comes through, just as he told the shepherds, just as he told the Israelites, he comes through, even when we don't. Now, look at verse 17. I think this is really cool. After seeing him, baby Jesus, the shepherds told, what does that say? 
everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about the child. Now, again, this is reiterating the whole point. That God came for everyone, right? Now, notice this. These shepherds, we don't know what type of education. We don't know about their background. We don't know about their IQ. Um, It doesn't say that they went to a church and they learned anything. What they did, though, is they saw Jesus. And it said they told everyone. I think the whole point of the good news, the gospel, when Jesus Christ shows up, is that he does something in our life. We tell people. It doesn't say that they learned how to, they took a course on how to tell people, right? It doesn't say they ended up going to a a specific class to be able to do that or a specific school, but they told people. Everyone. It reminds me of Vanessa. And a couple of weeks ago, she got baptized. And she was able to tell her story to everyone. That I was this way, and now I'm this way. God loves me now, not because I have my stuff together or because I'm perfect. But God loves me, and I want to tell everybody. And I want to say this to you this morning, if if you feel like an outsider, and if we've made you to feel that way, I am sorry, or if any church has made you to feel that way, I do want to say I am sorry for that. But God never, ever, ever wants anyone to feel like an outsider because everyone is invited. Everyone is included. The gospel, Jesus, is not for just a certain group of people that Jesus is for everyone. And that is the awesome story of Christmas. Um, as I close, it, it reminds me of a story. Um, there's this uh, couple, and um, they had some kids, and the mom was went to church regularly, and she took the kids to church, but the husband was just really pushing back. Yeah, I really don't want to do the church thing, and just kind of, um, staying at home and they were farmers in this rural community and as the the mom and the kids they were all dressed in their sunday best going to a, a sunday night service um the husband just kind of shook his head and said why do you just continue to believe in this all this stuff why do you continue to believe in god would send send his son so that we could Get into heaven. That's just dumb. And the wife learned a long time ago not to fight with him because that didn't ever go anywhere. She just ignored and uh, got the kids in the car in the frigid snow as it was just snowing, snowing, snowing. And it was dark and nasty and cold. And she drives herself and her two kids to church. And the husband's left behind and he's just... He's just angry. He's just frustrated. He doesn't know how come his wife just can't leave him alone about all this religious stuff. And uh, as he's sitting in his chair by the fire, warming himself, he hears this thump on the window. And it's kind of strange. And he goes to the window and he looks out. And all he sees is the snow and just the darkness. And he goes back to the fire and is warming himself. And he hears, 
Here's a thump up against the wind again. What in the world is going on? So he goes over and he sees that there's a couple of birds that sees the fire and sees the warmth. And they're trying to get in and to keep on hitting that window. And he's going, well, this is, this is something. So he decides to get on his boots and to get on his snow pants and get, his, get all layered up. And he goes out and he goes out and he grabs some seed and he, and he puts the seed along the ground into the barn. He opens up the barn doors and trying to get the birds in there, but they're not coming. And uh, he, he decides, okay, here's what I'm going to get behind the birds and I'm going to run at them and shoo them and try to get them in the barn door because that's where there's safety and they'll be out of the snow and all this stuff and they'll be warmer in there with the hay. And he came up behind them, was yelling, and they just all got scared and they ran away. And he's like, what in the, how, what can I do? What can I do to be able to get these birds in this barn? I'm, tr- I'm, I'm trying to help them out. They're not understanding me. He starts thinking. He says, if I was a bird, I could be able to tell them, hey, go this way. All of a sudden, it clicked. The reason why God sent his son to this earth was so that he could become one of us and show us the way. That he could light the way and show us the way for warmth and security And ultimately, for us to have eternal life through His Son, Jesus Christ. That is the good news. And that is the good news for everyone. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you so much, Lord, that that you didn't come to this earth for people who have it all together. Because I don't, God. And uh, the longer I keep on living... The longer I keep on trying, I don't know if I'm ever going to have it all together. Because there's always going to be stuff in my life that you're going to be working on. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that, that our whole goal, Lord, as a church, is to be able to reach out to people who feel this huge disconnect between them and God. Lord, that they would, real, that they would realize that you have invited and included everyone. That you long for moms and dads and children, working mothers, stay-at-home moms, dads who have jobs, dads that are unemployed, people who own their houses, people who rent, people who are just in a little small one-bedroom apartment. Lord, you love Everyone, that you love the military, that you love non-military, that you love officers, that God, that you include enlisted. God, that you love everyone. Lord, that you love blacks, whites. You love uh, people of different nationalities and people of different colors, people who look like us and people who don't, people who speak like us and people who don't, that you love everyone that you include everyone, that the good news of great joy is for all people. And Lord, if that's your goal, if that's how broad you paint the picture, if that's how broad the brushstrokes that you paint is for all, then how dare we make it any less than all? For all are invited 
all are included and all are loved.